Welcome once again to DMT. What does DMT stand for? Dead Men Talking. Dead Men Talking. Well, let's remind people, why are we Dead Men Talking? Dead Men Talking, dead to the world, dead to ourselves, uh, alive to Jesus Christ. It's that um, confusing to the sensibilities of the world, the fact that a dead person uh, can actually live, but we live in Christ. Christ yeah. lives in us. And so we seek to look at the things of the day and the things of culture and speak uh, the truths of Christ into that. Very cool, very cool. I hope uh, other people find that uh, title as cool as we did when we creatively came up with the idea for this podcast. D-M-T. You got it. <laughs> so, how's everything going? How are you today, my friend? It's going well. A little sleepy. I watched a little bit of the uh, Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. So, I may have, <clears throat> may not have watched a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. The big uh, Tom Brady fan. and the Well, hang on. So, not, not Brady, though. Bucks. Well, I am a Tom Brady fan, but I'm more a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. Gotcha. So I was pretty excited when they got Tom Brady. Okay, so here's the question. After last night's performance, so everybody kind of, in general, considers Tom Brady the goat of football, right? So here's the question. Did Tom Brady solidify himself as the goat of goats? You got Jack... You got Jordan, you got Tiger, the list of all these guys that are the goats. Is Tom Brady the goat of goats now? Well, you, uh, we're in East Tennessee, <laughs> and you want me to come out <laughs> on the record and say that there's a quarterback on the face of the planet better than Peyton Manning. I'm not going to bite. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not biting on that. You go ahead and make any kind of statement you want to. But. Okay, well, uh, we'll leave it at that, and we'll just let p everyone listening to the podcast to ponder that, there whether Tom Brady is the goat of goats. One last question on sports, because this really isn't a sports podcast, but you're a baseball guy. Right. Who is the goat of baseball? That's a, that's, there are too many, well, I guess that's true of any sport. I start to say there's too many different facets of it. Um, yeah, you got all these different errors, but that probably is exceptionally true in baseball. See, I'm an old school guy, so my mind immediately goes to Ruth, yeah. Cobb, you know, those kinds of guys. Um because you, you never can come across era and really decide right. who would be better, so... I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a Ruth Cobb, Aaron. You know, go on up from there. Willie Mays, those guys. Uh, I I tend to lean in that direction. Maybe I have a bias that way, but yeah. So I don't know. Great question. It was a good Super Bowl, though. Uh, enjoyable. Uh, football's over for one more year. We'll have to wait a little while. It's baseball it was, season. It's baseball season. We're ready. You have now. We could call. Uh, I got a good friend that could tell us exactly how many days and hours till pitchers and catchers report. <laughs> not but, me. Uh, it's not far away, right. for sure. Well, what are we talking about today? Well, um, uh, let's start with a statement, and uh, we may have to reword it and fumble through it as we go. But here's here's a statement: the dignity and value of man is not found in our notion of equality but rather wrapped in the reality of eternity. That may be a little wordy, but my mind has been kind of considering lately the idea of uh, in this American experiment, 
where we are in our culture and where we are in our day, how um, important the idea of equality is with all of the cultural upheaval, uh, the political uproar, all the different battles and riots and uh, politically correct speech and uh, cancel culture, all those kinds of things. Uh, our framers started with an idea of equality. But for us, obviously, um, we're going to look at that. We'll talk about that. But more importantly, uh, what does God have to say about it? And yeah. and how does what the framers, what, what they were trying to do, uh, did they take anything from God's view? Uh, that's kind of obvious, right? But we'll get to that later. Uh, but to start from that idea that eternity, the reality of eternity is where we find value and worth, not even in the idea of equality. So our value is not in the first birth, uh, which is what we kind of strive and fight over. It's in the second birth when we are born again. That's where God sees our value. So now how can we apply that to our world? Where we are right now, we are trying to find equality while at the same time focusing all our energy on diversity. Well, there's a problem in that. Uh, you're setting up turmoil because when you talk about diversity, that focuses all your attention on the things that are different about right. us. And not just the things that are different, but the external things that are different. Yeah. And so now, so you're going to focus on all the different things about us and at the same time try to find harmony. And that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I've, I've said that uh, in conversation that, uh, and, and we're going to clarify that and actually hopefully understand, and I myself am going to understand the statement I've made to people is our only hope for finding a solution to that is we begin to focus on the things we have in common, not the, all the things we have different, right? When you focus on everything different, you're never going to find any kind of common ground to Right. You know, to. Right. Uh, and we should celebrate. Let me qualify. We should celebrate all of the wonderful aspects that God has created of humanity, all of the different uh, shades absolutely. and hues, not just of skin color, right. but of everything about the, the wonderful creation of humanity. But in focusing on diversity as it has come to be known in America, it is actually creating an yeah. inability for us to find equality. Uh, and, and if equality, as we understand it, is even the thing we should pursue, because all of this surface stuff is the stir is the stuff that divides us, yeah. not the stuff that brings us together. Uh, the, the framers of the Constitution, uh, they were pretty smart guys. Uh, if you take a a basic definition of equality or equal, it's and this is straight from the dictionary. Equal means same in quantity, size, degree, and value. Okay, so if you take all of those, now our framers were pretty smart. So they said all men are created equal. Okay, well, what does that mean? Because they weren't idiots, and, and you would almost have to be an idiot not to recognize that almost everything about humanity is not equal. We're different heights. We're different uh, skin colors. And I mean, even within a race, we're different skin colors. Right. Uh, we are, have different abilities to, you know, one person can jump really high, one can barely get off the ground, one can run really fast, and one just plods along. One is naturally stronger physically than the other. Some are smarter or can comprehend things. Everything about humanity to say is equal, the same, is nonsensical. Right. Yeah, you got some people that are thin, some people are rounder. <laughs> 
Um, but Some yeah, absolutely. That's, that's self-imposed. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but different. Uh, I was called Husky a lot as a kid. So, uh, I wore Husky pants. That, was, that used to be a thing. <laughs> but so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you had, I, we were talking at lunch about, you know, you've got a bird feeder and all the different colors and beautiful birds. And so everything in God's creation, there is this element of diversity, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as the framers looked at humanity, they would see, you know, uh, not the same in size, not right. the same in degree, not the same in all those things, but they had some idea of equality. So now we get to this idea of value. The same in value. So it's something that's much deeper than all the things we can see on the surface. Yet in America, we look at all of these categories that we've created. We look at all of these things on the surface that we can see, the eyeball things. And then we try to take all of that, which is never going to be the same, and create equality. So equality is a thing that's deeper. It's more spiritual. It's of value. And we're not going to get there and find harmony as long as we keep focusing on the other things. Right. So, so how do we how do we do that? Well, we'll start with God's view. Okay, because I, I thought about that always. We're going to do that, right? We're going to look at that. So, when it comes to the idea of equality, does God say in Scripture that all men are equal? And I thought that was very interesting to think about. And then my mind went here. Uh, all throughout Scripture, by the way, there's not a passage. Uh, I guess maybe you could find some translation somewhere that would that would word it to say something like all men are equal. But that kind of terminology is not really used uh, in, in a passage of Scripture or in a context of Scripture. Uh, you have things like this. God talks about the least and the greatest among you. Now, we can talk a lot of, we could spend a lot of time talking about like what he means by that. The idea, you know, the servants, the most servant hearted among you will be the greatest, you know, the, the humblest, those kinds of things. But ultimately, but, the, the, the reality is he's talking about two differences. Yeah, there's a least and there's a greatest. There's a least and the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that are mentioned. There are the least of these, the least of these, my brethren. He uses the idea of a child and, you know, he gives this, we speak often of the humility and the simplicity of a child. But when you think of a child, you also think about a lack of power, a lack of capability, a lack of accomplishment. And God says, uh, this child is, is an example. So uh, again, you don't have somebody that's focused on the idea of equality necessarily, but a state of being. So, but it, but again, to your point, it talks about least and, and greater. In the body of Christ, it says there are some parts that are more honorable and some parts that are less honorable. Now, God makes clear there that we are very confused on which is which, but still the reality is there are differences that are there. Not all are equal, at least not in the way we would perceive it. Um, there, the workers, There's the, the, this is one, you know, people say, oh, life should be fair. We should make things fair. Well, Jesus shares a parable where there's a, a boss who comes and he gets these people who are not working and he hires them to work. And some work all day long and some work part hours and on and on. And he pays them all the same. Yeah. <laughs> and they get the ones that worked all day, get an uproar. It's not fair. And he basically says, I didn't mistreat you. You know, you've you have been provided for. But yet they wanted to protest about fairness, the talents. 
uh, the parable of the talents. God, uh, in in his description of that, says he gave five to one, two to another, and one to one. And then not only uh, was that not equal, but then depending on how they used and engaged with that, he gave some even more. So again, creating a difference. But perhaps the most powerful of all uh, thoughts of that is where Jesus says, uh, even though he was equal with God, in Philippians 2, it talks about this, even though Jesus was equal with God, he didn't grasp, hold on to that or focus on that, but on what he came to do, his eternal kingdom purpose. And so you see the idea of equality not being exactly the same as our American mind might perceive it. Yeah. Yeah, so we obviously, uh, in our culture, focus on the differences, but still want everything equal. Yes, and, or, or, and, and maybe where we're headed with this is the idea is equality, especially equality as we perceive it, even the goal. Does, does value, does having value or being seen as valuable, does that require equality? So does God value less the one who has two talents or the one who had five? Does he value less the parts of the body that may be uh, least or more valuable? Does he value less those who are least in the kingdom of heaven? I mean, the blood was shed the same way for the least in the kingdom of heaven. So whatever that means, is that even the point? Right. So that's really what we're talking about is value. Yes, value. Um, over against uh, some kind of concept of equality that we have in our heads because we we think in these kind of terms, if things are not the same, then they're not of the same value. Right. Well, so now you've got a point of contention. Uh, you know, somehow I'm not as valuable if I am not exactly the same as yeah. whatever this idea or ideal I have perceived in my mind. So somehow I'm of less value. When I see myself as less value, I have less reason to strive. One of the things we're going to see uh, later on is this idea of the pursuit of happiness. There needs to be a motive to strive to do that. And so anything that takes away from that, again, makes the issue of this division over the ideas of equality even worse. So where, so, so how do we resolve that? So how do we move in a positive direction? Yeah. Um, well, to kind of take then again, continuing on God's view. So then what does uh, God see? What creates our value? Well, here's, here's the first thing. We're created in the image of God. Uh, that means that we are eternal beings. There's, the, there's just the first notion of eternity. And that means that we are responsible moral agents. Uh, I'll, I'll say something about that a little later, but but we are made in the image of God, designed to reflect who he is to all of creation, and that we are then responsible moral agents. Also because we're redeemable by God. We get dignity because we're made in the image of God. We find opportunity in the, in the reality that we're redeemable by God. Jesus, through great uh, sacrifice, comes and makes us redeemable. He buys us back from the slave market of sin, the condemnation that we rightly deserve. He buys us back from that. We are redeemable, so therefore we are valuable. And then value, as I mentioned earlier, not coming in uh, the, the virtue of our first birth, 
that is our natural birth. Uh, I mentioned that earlier and kind of ran by it. There might be some people who, <laughs> who wouldn't know what I meant by that. The first birth, when we are physically born, right. we come into physical existence. Or let me rephrase that, when we are conceived. <laughs> we uh, So we come into yeah. physical existence. The second birth, when we're born again, that point where we turn away from ourself and our sin, and by faith we trust the finished work of Jesus Christ is sacrificed that we might be saved. And so that's where we find that. Our value to God and others is us exploiting the gifts and the talents and the abilities that were given to the glory of God. So our value is, is not in that we are equal with each other. That doesn't make us valuable. That I am the same as this person over here or this race over here or this ability over here. It comes in the fact that I am created in the image of God. I am redeemable by God that not only can I be redeemed, but to think of it this way, he wants to redeem me. He sacrificed himself to redeem me. That, that by the virtue of that second birth, I now can be a value to God and others by exploiting the gifts and abilities that he's given me, whether they're the same as somebody else or not, whether they look like or feel like or are applauded by the world in the same way is totally irrelevant. My value comes in me exploiting to, to their fullest the gifts and abilities he's given me to the glory of God. And so in all of that, I have value. All right, so you've mentioned the our founding fathers, what was the, um, all men created equal. Mm -hmm. And so we've established that they're not talking about equal in terms of what we think of as equality in today's time. They were, are you saying they're talking, they were making that statement with the idea of man's value, the, the value that we've talked about? Is that what you're saying? I think so. You know, great, great debate about, you know, exactly where they were on a theological scale. Right. You know, were they universalist? Were they deist? Were they, were they uh, biblical Christians in the way that we would understand it? Uh, at any rate, you know, we could have that debate ad nauseum. I don't think that's the point. At any rate, they were edu most of them were educated men, even the ones that were gentlemen farmers or whatever they were. And in their time, in their particular time, in their particular context, to be educated would mean you would be deeply familiar with Scripture. Uh, that was, a, that was right. an essential part uh, of your education. And they were men of letters, and so they would have known the Scripture thoroughly. Uh, and certainly being, again, intelligent beings who, who were very observant, who had had very adventurous, full lives, they would know the things that we were just talking about, that men were not equal and never would be equal right. in the sense of the externals uh, and those kinds of things. And so having read Scripture, I think they would have understand that there, understood that there was a much deeper value. And so they weren't talking about the diversities that drive division. You know, in America, we also used to, we used to brag about the fact that we were a melting pot that the very best parts of all these diverse cultures had come together to, to mold into one so that, so that the very best of the world now became one in the American experiment. Uh, not so that we saw all of them as equal, 
but that all of them brought their best parts to come together. Uh, and, you know, and then kind of implied in that is that the worst parts of each culture and every culture in humanity has strengths and horrific weaknesses. Yeah. And in America, what we found is that they were coming together with their strengths and the weaknesses were being cast aside. So, so yeah, I, I do think they understood that there was a deeper value uh, that they were heading toward. Again, uh, with the ideals of equality and struggle not being approached from the idea of diversity like age and gender and race, but on something that was much deeper. All right. So where do we go from here? Okay. Well, so what did, what, what did they say? They said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among those, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So all men are created equal. Well, first of all, there's a creator in that, right? Yeah, uh, the authority right. by which uh, this has been decreed and the basis on which it stands. So you, you start there. There is a power and authority, something upon which to stand, that makes all that is going to proceed from this uh, not only relevant, but sustainable. So again, what do you have in our culture? Undermine that, take that out. So what are you doing? You're washing out from under the feet of this idea of seeking harmony, equality, if you will. And by that, I mean equality in a stand that we're talking about, in a, at a level we're talking about. To if you If you wash the creator out from under that, they knew this that you're going to have trouble finding that harmony, that fulfilling that great experiment. All men are created equal. Now, there's a context in that. Uh, they were seeking to come out from under a governing authority. So uh, created equal, one of the things is the there is no ruling class that is more valuable. There is no ruling class that should have power over me. Uh, as such, all of us are responsible moral agents before God. And so that means that I cannot have a government, a puppeteer over me. In other words, George can't have his strings attached to me, pulling me, telling me what to do. I have the right as an individual moral responsible agent to either thrive or even to fail. But the point is, is that in equality, there is some deeper value in me that says I do not have presiding over me an oppressive government that will dictate. Now, again, so you hear in that another problem in us finding harmony. We now have government that's more and more seeking to be worse than George <laughs> in some ways in, in puppeteering our lives, controlling us, telling us what we can and cannot do, what we, where we can and cannot go, what we can and cannot say. whether Or whether we can succeed or fail. Or whether we can succeed or fail. And if we do succeed, how that can be curtailed in the, in the guise of or in the name of equality, equality that is misunderstood because it's focused on externals. So, so you see, again, there, there's just another place where we in our world are confused. So these are inalienable. Because God says they are, because the Creator says they are. So then he goes on to kind of explain, okay, what are these rights? What are these things that make us equal? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So you have life. 
what are they saying there? Well, because of the Creator, we have this value to not have our life destroyed or taken from us by another. That that is that is that's what it means to be equal. That's what it means to be valuable in the sense that they're talking about it. That I have the right for nobody else to take my life, or in as an extrapolation of that. Uh, to tell me how I'm going to care for the life that I have. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we're probably in the same place. Did you read in, were you reading in Exodus today? And it's the 10 commandment. Is that the same place you're at? Yeah. Yeah. I have. Yes. So, I mean, God takes very seriously this idea of destroying the life of an image bearer of his image. Yes. Right. Um, and that's over and over in the Bible. So, absolutely. So the uh, the thought there is is that the value of that life is that it is an image bearer yeah, and, of He Himself, right? And that's the essence of equality. So, or the an, an initial essence of equality. Yeah, like I'm, I mentioned in a former podcast, and actually in the sermon yesterday. Uh, you know, God kind of builds on his commandments and he kind of, he kind of grows us in those, educates us in pieces, if you will. And I kind of said it this way, when Noah gets off the boat, he basically says two things, worship me and don't kill anybody. Right. And then, and then it builds on that throughout the old Testament, all the way through Leviticus with its innumerable number of laws. But so is that what you're saying when our founding fathers were talking about inalienable right? The first one being life. Correct. So look at that focus. There it is. You have a right to be alive. Now, again, what flies in the face of that, there's a couple things that are going on now. One, obviously, the increase of or seeking to increase the availability of abortion on demand, uh, abortion of convenience, if you will. I don't think anybody argues against abortions of medical necessity, true medical necessity, right. where those are incredibly difficult decisions. Correct. But abortions of convenience. And, you know, what are we up to now? Heading towards 70 million yeah. that have been aborted. I mean, it's an absolute national tragedy. Well, okay, so how are you going to find equality, an equality of deeper meaning of value that really brings true harmony if you cannot value life? Our framers said that. You know, so you have this idea of life. You could also talk about government health care and some of the things that are, you know, being pushed upon us about what we're supposed to do in those areas. But the more important thing is actual life. Second one's liberty. Liberty means a freedom from dependence. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because it's called the Declaration of Independence. Independence. (laughs) I'm being a little sarcastic in that. But so you have this idea of a freedom from being dependent upon somebody else. In other words, to have personal responsibility and personal accountability. Uh, Think about again in our world. I mean, that's that's something that's being pushed out. But we are being moved toward the idea of government regulation, government control, dependence upon the government. There are factions in our world today that truly believe, and even if I ascribe to them the best of motives, they truly believe that the best way that we can live and find equality is when we are dependent upon the government. The more dependent we are upon them to tell us what is morally right, what is okay, 
what we need, how we can have what we need, how we take care of the less fortunate, all those things, that that will somehow bring about equality. Well, God and the framers are basically saying that the greatest thing about liberty is that I am free from dependence. That gives me the, the freedom uh, to thrive, to struggle, to strive, and even to fail. But I'm free. I'm not dependent upon somebody else. You know, when we talk about a child that grows up uh, and they become their own person, well, when they become their own person is when they are standing on their own, right? They cease being as dependent upon the parent as they used to be. And we see that as a sign of maturity in adulthood. Right. Now that person is ready to go out into the world and to take their place and to help this world work together, come into harmony and thrive. Why? Uh, because they're not dependent. Yeah, so we have a right to, uh, that liberty includes a right to succeed, fail, whatever, but I get to make that choice, decide that path, you know. Yes, I get to make the choice. And also one of the things I think is missed is uh, it's dependent on me. Right. It's We're, dependent right. upon me, me, not anybody else especially not the government, especially not George across the sea, especially not him, but in our context, not the government. Well, and you're Nobody saying, to dictate to me. Well, okay, so are you saying it's not George's responsibility to feed you? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I, I surrender liberty when I'm dependent upon somebody else to take care of me. Yeah. Okay, now, that is not speaking to those who are genuinely incapable. Absolutely. The, the widow, the orphan, the needy, the poor, the sick, all of those, uh, the, those that are uh, even, Christ even mentions those who are in prison. I mean, those who are incapable of taking care of themselves, uh, certainly we take care of them. It's not talking about that. It's talking about uh, me being free because my ability to thrive or fail, I take up on myself. Right. That means I have liberty. If I give that to somebody else, I do not have liberty. Right. And when I don't, and again, in the context of what we're talking about, if we're going to find equality and harmony, so now if I don't value life and if I'm dependent upon somebody else, the vision of the framers in line with the things of Scripture are saying, you're not going to find equality. You're not going to find harmony because you don't value life and you and you don't uh you're not free you don't value you don't have, freedom you don't have liberty right because you are not taking your life upon yourself yeah. therefore you're not free so how can you come in harmony with anyone else yeah. that's something that they understood so let's uh, you want to talk about yeah, let's move on to pursuit of happiness. Okay, yeah, and then the pursuit of happiness. Now, I, that one is really interesting to me because you know, all kinds of philosophers, I even heard a, I don't remember which one it was, I heard a commercial. I was actually looking at this and thinking about this last night as, I, as the TV was just kind of on, and there was a Super Bowl commercial uh, that basically spoke philosophically, at least, to this, in the idea that there is joy in the pursuit of something. There is, there is, there is pleasure in the journey. So what it says is, is not the possession of happiness, but the pursuit of happiness. That is interesting. And so, yeah. I mean, it clearly states that we don't think of it in terms of that, but it clearly says pursuit, not obtainment. It says pursuit of happiness. Is that even a word, obtainment? 
Yeah, well, we, <laughs> hey, I make them up we, all I the time. I think we make up a word we, every week, don't we? We, we are going to write our own, di- the DMT dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> pursuit of happiness. That's an interesting word, pursuit. Yeah, and and what we find as a principle in Scripture, obviously the ultimate attainment of coming face-to-face, I'll get to start, the face-to-face with Jesus Christ. Man, that is that is an ends that, that, overshadows the means but in almost every other area of life the joy is in the pursuit right i mean there is there that's where the struggle is that's where you learn faith that's where you see uh that the boundaries of your own limitations are far broader than you ever imagined them to be uh, because god has designed you to be a a creature capable of of much greater things than you ever imagined and so that we find all that, there's great joy in that and in the struggle and the victory and all of that. And so often when we lay hold of the trophy and we hoist it over our heads, it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, that's nice. Let's find But a that's place. a fleeting moment. Yeah. That's a moment. Yeah. That's a snapshot moment. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night, it was about a two, three hour celebration after that game and it's over. Yeah. But what in the in the process, and, and and that's what the framers were talking about. This idea that we find joy, we know joy in the pursuit. Again, that's the right to strive and the right to fail. That there's even joy in the in the failures because they are lessons, right? Well, they're formative. That they they make us who we are. We we learn that. Um, but again, instead of the idea of the pursuit of happiness, where I am striving and struggling and running this race, and and everybody has different hurdles. Some people have hurdles that are greater than others. Uh, nobody would deny that different races, different gen, whatever. Uh, they may have a different set of hurdles, a, a deeper valley to traverse, a higher mountain to climb. But we all have struggles and things to overcome, if nothing else, the weaknesses and the brokenness within us, right? And so we have all of this, but the beauty of liberty, uh, of the things we've been endowed with, these inalienable rights, is that I, I have been given by my creator this right, to pursue fulfillment, knowing that in the pursuit, I will find joy. So now I can come in. Now, here's the thing. If I focus just on the prize, if I focus on the salary or the title or the acclaim, now I'm just miserable, right? Because so-and-so has that, and I don't, and I should have it. And the reason I don't have it are by factors outside of myself, and therefore blah, 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 right? Right, but if I strive toward it, what I find is joy, and that's what they're talking about. Yeah. So now we all can come together under these things. This idea of a value of life, because the Creator has said that it's valuable. It's valuable because it is a redeemable thing. And then you have this uh, liberty that I have because uh, I am not dependent upon anything. In the Christian context, I become dependent upon one thing, one person, that's Christ. And in that, I find real freedom. That's a whole other podcast, right? Uh, And then the pursuit of happiness, this striving. So harmony can never be an attempt to equalize externals. Uh, because we're never going to do that. We're always going to be different. We're never going to have the same intellectual, athletic, 
political abilities. Well, and it's been that way from the beginning of time. Right. Why would we think that would change today in 2021? Yeah. And the devil wants us to focus on those because those are the things that drive us apart. Yeah. So focusing on diversity causes me to think about the things that make us different instead of the deeper things that even Martin Luther King, you know, I mean, to lead to that, he says something. uh, What is it? He says, I long for a day that men will look at the content of the character and not the color of the skin. Well, that is in essence this this same thing. There is a deeper value based on based on what God says that we are in His image, that we are redeemable, that we have been given these talents to pursue for His glory. And so, whether whether you're a ditch digger or a doctor, it doesn't matter. We we classify those things. We allow those things to be things that are divisive. But what all that matters is that the ditch digger and the doctor are bringing glory to God right. in the context in which He's placed them. So now you've got a point that you can come together in harmony. So the doctor can look at the ditch digger and go, "Man, what an incredible image bearer of God! I, I so deeply respect that." Not because, oh, look at that ditch digger. If he'd worked harder in school, he'd be up here in an office beside me. Or Look at that person, the color of their skin, or look at their nationality, or look at this, or look at that. None of those things will ever bring us together. So instead of doing that, we take on the perspective of God, who doesn't who doesn't look at us or focus on the externals and categories. He said there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's not barbarian, Scythian, uh, male or female. I, I don't look at those things. Gentile, uh, Israel, I don't look at those. I look at the heart. <laughs> so equality cannot ever be achieved by focusing on diversity and all those things that make us different and those things that are temporal and temporary, but on focusing on the things that are eternal in Jesus Christ as image bearers and as redeemable and as valuable to God, not based upon a title or how the world sees us, but valuable to God in that we are fulfilling his purpose with the talents he's given us and making the very most of those, the eternal realities of the heart. So. The dignity and value of man is not found in our notion of equality, but wrapped in the reality of eternity. Yeah. I um, I think you've, I've even mentioned this. So, you, you know, we fill out these applications and forms and ask, you know, all these gender, race, all this stuff. And uh, they always have on the race thing, they always have the little box. And I've recently thought, I'm gonna. I'm. St- I'm not gonna check that. I'm not gonna check white or Caucasian yeah. just because that's what I am. I was gonna write human in there, but I got a better answer. And after our conversation today, I'm gonna check that box and I'm writing image bearer. <laughs> I love it. I Isn't love that? that. I love that. So uh, wouldn't that be awesome if we could start that? Yeah, image Get, bearer. I like that. That's great. That's that's where that's where we can find harmony. The God's notion and even the framers' notion of equality is not what it has been twisted to become in our world. What it has become twisted to become in our world is a is a source of division. Yeah. So that powers that be in government can control us yeah, right. by keeping us in chaos. Yeah. And that's that's never going to be the answer. The answer is not God doesn't look at the things that we fight over, that we give power or take power away based on. Yeah. He looks at the heart. That should be our prayer. You know, I'm just kind of, you know, so many people, not even just government, but particularly government, use these things to manipulate 
people and societies. Right. And uh, uh, may God give us eyes to see clarity and to help us to see one another as bearers of his image and that alone. Amen. And our value based upon his sacrifice. Yeah. And the using of whatever gifts he's given us, whatever struggles he's uh, ordained for us to face, and and exemplifying him in the middle of it. Yeah. Wow, that's a great conversation today. I really enjoyed it. It was encouraging to my heart. Uh, I think opened my eyes. Uh, hopefully, it's my hope for others. It was the same. Yeah, you know, I, I said, I'll tell you all, I said to Arnie and to our engineer, Ian, that, you know, I, you approach these things with trepidation in this day and age because you don't, you don't want to be misunderstood uh, and you don't want to be taken out of context or any of those things. But it's so important that we get back to the idea of focusing on the things of God yeah. uh, and, and from the spiritual perspective and not what the government or the world is trying to to do and and also to say this, these things that we're doing from and I think I speak for all of us for our perspective, is not to answer all the questions, uh, or not to perfectly outline the views that we're trying to bring forward, but to stimulate thought and conversation, right, and and to drive people to scripture, right. Well, that's the goal, particularly in anything involved in. I know your ministry and the ministry of this church is to point people to Christ, to focus on God, to draw people to him and to see, particularly for this podcast, uh, things of, of faith, culture, current events from a godly and how God might. And that's what we try to do. Right. Amen. Amen. Um, so I just want to end our podcast, just encourage anyone that's happened to listening to this if you would uh we'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe whether you're using that through apple or spotify that seems to be the two most popular right now but uh, we have some others but if you subscribe and uh we'd we'd be great if you'd uh rate and review it on those as well we haven't had much of that and uh that would be helpful uh if you find this podcast entertaining or profitable or informative what however it it, it serves you uh, if you find service in it. That would help us share this with others. Absolutely. Yeah, and share it too. Share it on social media, whatever. Absolutely. We appreciate anyone that's listening. Uh, we're grateful that uh, you'd take the time to listen to these two old guys jabber for a little bit. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, I'll see you next time on Dead Men Talking.